Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. New York Theatre Ballet celebrates its 45-year legacy with a fall program of world and company premieres by artistic director Stephen Melendez, Douglas Dunn, David Gordon, and Amanda Triber, Friday, October 6th, and Saturday, October 7th at Florence Gould Hall in New York City. New York Theater Ballet performs small classic masterpieces and new contemporary works for adults and innovative hour-long ballets for young children, all at affordable prices. This season's Once Upon a Ballet series features The Firebird and Merce Cunningham's Scramble for four family-friendly shows, Saturday, October 7th and Sunday, October 8th. For tickets and information, please visit nytb.org slash tickets. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. On today's episode of Conversations on Dance, we are joined by star ballerina and resident choreographer of the Paul Taylor Dance Company, Lauren Lovett. We talked to Lauren about the leap of faith she took in leaving New York City Ballet to freelance, how her choreographic voice has developed since being offered the role of resident choreographer, and what to expect from her dual world premieres this fall season. Tickets for Paul Taylor's fall season at the David H. Koch Theater this October 31st through November 12th can be purchased at paultaylordance.org. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. We love having you on. And we just got to see you in Vail. Um, you know, I, what, what year was that for you in terms of how many years you've been coming out there? Goodness, how do I even count? Um, <laughs> I've been coming since 2011. Wow. I was going to say over a decade, right? Over yeah, a wow. decade. I mean, I missed one year because I had surgery on my foot. But mm-hmm. no, Vail... Vail, the Vail Mountains have been such a steady staple in my life. Mm. I feel like it's where I've grown the most as an artist. Every, mm-hmm. every summer, I'm pushed at the Vail Dance Festival boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> you did Last the Nabula this summer. Was that, because um, I know you were posting about it, was that something that was new for you? Tell us a little bit about that experience. Totally new for me. Um, 
I do something new every year. That's something mm-hmm. that I love about Damien and Heather. They just, they really take a lot of time to process and think about how they want their artists to grow. And I think that that's a really special thing. So yeah, Lost and Ovula was always a dream. Yeah. I thought I missed it because I left New York City Ballet. So I've been going to Vail for, for decade, for over a decade. And what I love about that festival is that you, not only is it, I call it like the pollinator Dance festivals are like the bees for the dance world. And and beyond that, for music too, it's this place where um, dancers of different disciplines, different companies, musicians, sometimes poets and artists and painters, and they all get together and we meet each other and we cross-pollinate. And I think it's really important to the dance world to have those, um, those festivals, those types of events. Um, so I would say for my health as an artist, um, it's been super key mm-hmm. in my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was an event this week, <clears throat> earlier this week, for alumni of New York City Ballet. Um, it's the 75th anniversary for the company. And they had first um, uh, on Monday, there was uh, like some sort of just social event, right? It was drinks and maybe dancing. I don't know. And then Tuesday was the opening night of Jewels. And everybody who had ever danced with the company got up on stage and bowed. It was, I was not there, but it seemed really beautiful from social media. Maybe you could tell us about your experience with um, these events. It was incredible. I'm so lucky I got to go. I had just flown in. I was choreographing with Colorado Ballet and I had just flown in on Sunday. So I made it perfectly in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm so glad that I attended because for me, it was to see so many artists in one room who all had the same but different experiences throughout an organization, to have that many artists all together. I felt a part of something really powerful. And um, I mean, there were there was so much energy in that space. I mean, every kind of energy, for <laughs> 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 um, better or worse. Uh, but I really did. I really did feel that. Um, yes, I'm moving forward into this future, and and I love looking toward the future. I love. Um, imagining how the dance world could look and how I could grow as a person and and outside of dancing too. But to come back and just acknowledge for a moment what how I got to where I am and why I am where I am. And to just say thank you in that space and to to be around other people that it's also such a stepping stone or such a um, I don't know what you would call it, a brick in our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have individual stories and it was fun to see where people had gone and what they'd done with their lives. And some of them go into other fields. Some of them are directing companies. Some of them are just out of it completely. And it was just fun to see because there's so there's not a right way to live your life. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't. And the ballet is is a beautiful 
it's a, it's a family of sorts. Mm-hmm. Family. That's is what it? I was thinking. I was like, it feels like the biggest family reunion ever, probably yeah. for, for all of you guys. So boots on the ground, give us, tell us a little bit like who you saw, like there were so many legends there. Like we're looking at the videos of everyone bowing, like Suzanne Farrell's there. Our old director, Edward Vallel is there. Did you ha- get any interactions with some of these people that you maybe haven't seen in a long time or maybe haven't gotten to interact with before? Absolutely. I think what was so, what was most special for me was reconnecting with Jock Soto, oh, um, who was my, my absolute favorite teacher in school. He taught partnering classes and he would always use me to demonstrate, but it was never a set thing. Mm-hmm. It was something that I didn't want to take for granted. And every Friday, I remember partnering classes on Friday, every Friday I would show up and hide in the room because I didn't want like to expect that he would choose me and stand in the middle and <laughs> come here. So I would kind of just go off to the side and he would look around and he'd find me and he'd take my hand and he'd pull mm-hmm. me to the center. And I remember that that always felt so validating. And in so many ways, he taught me how to dance because he would, not only would he show, not only did he teach partnering from a choreographic sense, like he would make he would make the combination with you alongside you, but you wouldn't know what was going on. He would say fifth position on point and I would go to fifth on point and I wouldn't know anything that I was about to do. He would take complete control over the hand and he would say, no, no, no. If I did too much, he would shake my hand and say, no, 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 less, less. And so it was my job to just listen and feel and, and be so present in the moment and not worry about what came before or after and, and really trust my partner. And so I, Jock not only taught me how to partner, he taught me how to trust myself as a dancer. And so I was able to tell him that at the event. And that felt, I haven't seen him in years, like since school. And so that was a really powerful moment. And then I also got to see um, Ricky Weiss and Melissa Podkissy who were, um, I think, former directors with Carolina Ballet, but I'm from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tried, after I didn't get into the New York City Ballet my last year in school at SAB, I tried to audition for Carolina Ballet and not come to New York. I was, I was just going to do something else. And I showed up for the audition, and I remember it went pretty well. Ricky Weiss called me into his office and he said um, something I'll never forget. And he said, no, you need to, he said, I really want to give you a job. I think you're dancing beautifully and I want to hire you, but it would be a mistake. And so he said, I want you to go back to New York and um, you should repeat a year in school and try for the New York City Ballet. Cause he said, I think I think that you can dance with the New York City Ballet and I think you should try for it. And wow. and then he said if you don't go there, I think you should go to San Francisco Ballet and then if you don't go to don't get in there, I want you to go to PMP. <laughs> and he had this whole list. And then he said and then if you don't get in those places, you come back here. And I thought wow. Wow, like who does that? Who who's that honest and literally no one not a soul oh, and um melissa podkissy was my teacher for my first summer program when i was 12 i i didn't get into sab and so i i ended up staying home in north carolina 
and going to the Carolina Ballet's first summer program. And there were hardly any kids in the class because it was brand new. And Melissa was so hard as a teacher. I mean, so I'm pretty sure I cried every day, but she made me so much stronger. And I loved her for it. And the following summer, I got into the School of American Ballet with a full scholarship. And so it's so great to see them at the event and tell them those things to say, I am where I am because of you in so many ways, Melissa, for your training that got me a full scholarship the next summer at SAB and Ricky for turning me down. like Thank you for not giving me a job because um, I wouldn't have the life I have now. Ugh. I bet there were so many conversations like that happening. I mean, even for those of us watching from the outskirts, like we have those kinds of stories we can share with so many of those dancers that were there too. Like they're just so many important people were in that room. So many people who have shaped ballet and are continuing to shape ballet, just like you are going on to do now, you know? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, feels, it, feels, it felt to me like a gift, an opportunity to say thank you. And there were so many people I didn't, even in that room, there were so many people I didn't see because sure. it was that large. Um, but just the, the that opportunity, that chance to connect and reconnect was a real gift this week. Mm. A lot of emotions. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Quite the way to start the week. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's it's, it's a beautiful way to, to start your week because you have this moment. I mean, you always come off as someone who is immensely grateful for every step of your journey and so to look back and reflect on your past that you're so appreciative of while you're taking these huge steps into the into the future for you for you is i think very beautiful um but let's talk about your your present um i don't know that we've had a really good opportunity since you decided to become freelance to like dive into it um we did have you on with Claudia Schreier in 2022, but we we're mostly talking about your choreographic work. So I want to I want to hear a little bit about how freelance has impacted your um, your your life as a dancer. Still, like I mean, just talking about day to day upkeep of your body. Does it feel better? Does it feel worse? <laughs> Do, you know, how, what about performing? What, what how how has it changed your interaction with performing? Mm. What a great question, Michael. Thank <laughs> you. Um, we're always thinking about how everyone's body is feeling. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, um, I mean, I had a strain. We all had it strange with the pandemic. That was mm-hmm. the, I don't know what you call that time period, but it was just this, like, we all, we, we all went through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I decided to leave ballet that time at the New York City Ballet when I was there, I really felt that my body was um, chronically hurt in a lot of ways. Like I felt that my hips and my back and my ankles especially were just, uh, I was in maintenance mode all the time. Like I felt like I was in survival mode all the time with my body a little bit. And so when I left, I wasn't sure what that would mean for my dancing. I was very ready to say, okay, maybe I'm done. Maybe this is the end. But my body just, as soon as I took that step, it just, it's like chapter two or something. Like I got a new, a new body physically, which is so strange to say, but it's like all of those previous um, pains that I had in my body just left. Mm. And um, 
that left me with the desire to really move and I wanted to dance still. And so it's been exciting for me because I am my own now. I don't have to um, reach any standard other than the standard that I've set for myself. So if Mm -hmm. I feel healthy and strong and beautiful in my skin, that's what I am. I don't, I don't have to look at anyone next to me or above me for any kind of approval. And that's been a real gift in my, I just entered my thirties. And so I'm, I'm in this part of my life where I feel like I'm, I'm very, very grateful for the body that I'm in and the health of that and the well-being of that is number one. So it's been pretty, pretty wonderful. I have to say it's um, what I've put into my body, the food that I consume. um, Strength has been a big goal of mine more than shape, (laughs) strength Mm -hmm. over shape. Um, I've been going and training, doing more gym like training and not being afraid that maybe a muscle might grow in a place I don't want it to grow. (laughs) It's been fun for me to, Mm -hmm. to still be dancing, but to be dancing in a different way. Um, in a, in a way that I can really listen to what's going on. So in so many ways, it's been a gift in other ways, it's been a challenge. Like you have to pay for all of your own classes when you're freelance artist. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm choreographing with a vengeance <laughs> like, more than I've ever choreographed before. It's like um, the work has been very gratefully plentiful. And um, so balancing my schedules and traveling a lot has been a challenge that it's not the same as I'm in the same place with the same people with my class for free every day. And I have this routine mm-hmm. and I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in that way, it's been more complex. So I have to listen to my body more and health is the number one priority for me. And then outside of that, it's creativity and how to keep myself in shape, moving, flexible, um, strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun, honestly. Yeah. So while this is not um, certainly like you are having many choreographic opportunities, but obviously the crux of it is your role as a resident choreographer at Paul Taylor Dance Company, um, which is a pretty incredible feat for anyone. But it is especially unusual um, for someone. Not only are you out of the modern dance world, you know, it's not like, oh, I dance with the Graham company for a million years and I go to Taylor, which it would still be unusual, but you're like a completely different dance discipline. Um, let's hear the whole story here about how this opportunity came about. Did you, did you put yourself forward? Did they kind of headhunt you? I just want to hear everything from the beginning of, of that first interaction. So Michael Novak, director of the Paul Taylor company saw not our fate. He saw the second work that I made for New York City Ballet when I choreographed there. And the way that he explained it to me is he thought I was somewhat of a rebel on the inside 
somehow he didn't know me, but he <laughs> felt that I had a little bit of a rebel spirit inside. <laughs> and um, he wanted to know what I would do with modern dancers. He said, I think she's a rebel in ballet, but I think I want to know what she's like with modern dancers and how that symmetry happens or if it can, or what it was an experiment of sorts. And um, so he invited me in to make one work for Paul Taylor company. And this was January of 2020. I had had only two Mondays off because we were in the middle of winter season. Um, at all of the the ballets that go in the winter season, you just come out of Nutcracker. It's a pretty exhausting time. And I said, I have these two Mondays off that I can give you. And they were supposed to be experimental labs of sort of a sort for mm-hmm. me to go in and understand the world, how they move, kind of throw some material out there, see what happened. Um, I had the commission, so I knew I was going to make a work for them, but I had these two days of play, play, um, play. And so I went in, Mm -hmm. sounds like (laughs) playtime, but I was terrified. (laughs) (laughs) I was absolutely terrified because so much of the room was older than me Mm. and they're trained in a different style. Like you said, I'm, ballet trained. And that was the only class I had as a kid. I had a full scholarship for ballet only, no matter how badly I may have wanted to do the hip hop class. (laughs) It just wasn't what was paid for. And I had to do what was paid for um, because my parents couldn't afford the classes. So in my heart of hearts, I've always wanted to get off the bar and, you know, rip the point shoes off and get in the ground. But if we're being honest, my dorsiflexion in my ankles is trash. I have no demi. I I am not meant to be in the floor. I'm meant to be floating above with my point. My body. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I was meant to be a Balanchine dancer where I could lift my heels slightly off the ground and I would have musicality at the forefront of my dancing and um, and push the the limits of ballet and stretch and reach and um, and and be off balance and that was how I was going to find the fullness of movement but going down into the ground was never going to be my story as a ballerina or as a dancer as, in my own physical form mm-hmm. however in my heart of hearts I've always wanted to go down down. So, um, I was terrified, but I, I had, I had a lot of fun in the room. The dancers were respectful, so brave, just wildly courageous. They throw themselves on the ground. They, they run with, um, a lot of fluidity and grace, but with, they don't hold back in any way. And, um, and the willingness that they had to meet me wherever. And there was no mirror in the studio and there was just this immediate trust. And I felt, I felt so alive in the space. And then the pandemic hit and I didn't know what was going to happen. 
at all. None of us did in the dance world, period. So I waited a long time, months and months to be back in a studio. And it was actually Paul Taylor Company that came back into studios long before New York City Ballet ever did. Smaller companies were able to, huh? Yep. So their companies had, they were a little bit smaller of a company that helps. Um, They had their own space. They could do socially distanced bubble residency rehearsals. That's what we did. Michael invited me in and he said, can you, would you have interest in still working with the company? Maybe you can't do your original idea, but we can give you six dancers. So I... I changed my idea, changed my music, made Pentimento. I just love that piece. It's a Genestera work and it's beautiful. And so I I had a great time working with the dancers. There was a natural um, symbiotic sort of give and take between us that felt natural and true and just honestly wonderful. And um I did the bravest thing I've ever done when it comes to dancing. I went into Michael's office after Pentimento was finished, handshaking and the whole thing. I'm not, I am definitely more of a personality that waits and listens and takes what is in front of me, what the universe brings and Mm -hmm. makes the most of that. You know, that's me. Mm -hmm. Take what happens, what comes and find a way to be creative with it, you know, mold it, play with it, make it the best it can be and and then exist in the world like that. But going out and saying I want that or I should you know, being assertive that way and taking something for myself that I might want is not really my personality. Mm-hmm. I went into Michael's office and I asked if I could make my original idea. I said I have this this, I call everything a ballet. I have this ballet I want to do. And um, it can only be at the Taylor company. And it really, in my heart of hearts, like dead true, um, can't be anywhere else. Like it was, it wasn't something that I felt I could do anywhere else. I imagined it up for them. And so I said that to Michael Novak. And I just, I have so much respect for this man so much respect. Um, he, I wasn't met with, yes, like, sure. Anything <laughs> like that. He, he was calm. He didn't say anything for a while. He said, well, we have a lot of um, our seasons and years booked already. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, like, well, I'll definitely think about it. And uh, my, it, I, I felt it was a no. I thought it was a very kind no. <laughs> and I left the office and I was like, well, at least I tried. tried. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> I, um, I put myself out there. And for better or worse. I'll work, never do it again. No, I'll saying. never do it again. <laughs> really, I, I didn't know if it was the right or wrong thing. I just felt that I did that. Okay. Well, I have no regrets. And so I left New York City Ballet. And a couple of months later, I got a call um, from Michael and was offered the position of resident choreographer. And so that really hit me 
by surprise, especially after that meeting that we had had. I didn't feel that I was a shoe in for the job or anything like that. Um, I always assumed you left City Ballet knowing you had this lined up. So that was even that was like an even more brave, way more brave than to just like leave, you know, and, and believe that you would all these things would come, you know. I really didn't have any idea of what I was going to do after I left. I didn't have anything lined up. I, I had a house at the time. So in some ways I felt that my personal life was more solid, Mm -hmm. but as soon as I gave my notice to leave the company, that also went through um, a lot of change. And so I, nothing in my life when I left New York City Ballet was stable. Not not one not one thing. Not my relationships, not my um housing. I, I really had lost any sense of comfort or stability. Mm-hmm. But at that in that next breath, I felt I had already taken this is so me. I'd already taken it to the worst case scenario. <laughs> I'd already gone <laughs> there. And I was I thought, okay because we had sort of experienced it in a way with the pandemic. We had already experienced what it was like to have the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. There's work and we don't know if it's coming back. So I had taken it there and I had thought about it a good deal. And I was ready um, for whatever, you know, I was thinking, I don't have an education. I don't have any proof of high school or even middle school or anything. I was homeschooled my whole life and there's no record of it. Mm. And on top of that, I'd never been to college or anything. So the types of jobs that you can get with no experience and no education and no driver's license are not many. Um, (laughs) And so I learned that over the pandemic. So I knew, uh, I knew what could have come and I still wanted to do it because I Mm. felt that um, I needed to get out into the world and I needed to be brave. I needed to take, I didn't want to stay just cause I was afraid. I wanted mm-hmm. to, even if it meant that I'm working in a grocery store or something or like whatever I could get, I'd still be learning new skills. I knew who I was. I knew at a very core level, I do know who I am. It's you and me, we're the same. Like Mm -hmm. there's no, I I look at my life horizontally and all the people in it that way. It's not a ladder. It's not a chess game of how I can get this great fame. I, I want to walk through my life courageously and I want to do it in a way where it's, I'm, I'm just learning and growing like it's even that's what it's about for me. So I felt, okay, if I'm working at Home Depot, I have to learn about all the tools. That's going to be hard. That's going to be exciting. Uh And I was doing like home improvement (laughs) over the pandemic. So I I had gone through all these different scenarios in my head and thought, you know what? I'm going to be okay because I know who I am. And and that's somebody who loves people and um, loves to learn and. I have a great work ethic thanks to ballet and my family and how I was raised. And so I thought, you know, I, I can't really fail. 
And I also didn't grow up with a lot of money. So I, I also know what it's like to coupon and like, (laughs) (laughs) and I just knew I'd be all right. So everything that's come after since New York city ballet has been a surprise and a gift to me. And, um, and I don't take it for granted. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked mint mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't. It's interesting because it probably also makes sense that these things started coming to you because you were more available, right? I mean, when I see a lot of the New York City ballet dancers doing all these things, I'm like, how do you people have time for this? Like you have full jobs at New York City ballet. It's just so much. So I can see as soon as your schedule was much more open, you know, Michael Novak probably was like, ah, she's probably looking for something. So then things were able to come. So once you what is it like now working with the Taylor company now that you're getting more adjusted, you know, the dancers, that must be so fun for you. This is like probably other than city ballet, like really the first place to feel like there's like this group of dancers I can work with consistently. I love it so much mm. more than I ever thought that I would, you know, I, I, I'm so interested in meeting people and traveling and, having new experiences and growing that way that this job has surprised me and how, how wonderful it is, how much I love coming back to the same group of people. And, and it's such a nice small group of people. It's like, there's only 16 dancers in the whole company. And so I thought maybe I wasn't sure how it would feel. Would I make the same movement? Would I get stuck? because so much of how I I create things is based off of the inspiration I feel in the dancer themselves and who they are, who I think they are. And that's, what's been such a joy is, and I, a surprise really, because I wouldn't have guessed, but people change all the time and they go through life experiences. They have kids, they get married, they have things happen in their lives. They lose loved ones. They, they go through things. And so this group of 16 dancers, they're not the same people every day in and out every day you're coming in. They're not defined in one moment. And I find so much inspiration in that. I mean, they, they change, they surprise me. It's funny. We were just um, interviewing Lara Lubavitch, who this will not that interview won't be out yet, but teaser it's coming soon. But he was talking about how he really liked choreographing on his or how he felt like he created different works on his company who he worked with all the time versus when he went out and was doing gigs and how it was just something different. So I wonder 
what that experience has been like for you to have that tether of like coming back to the same people instead of going out and just new people every single time you're creating something. Yeah. I love it. I love the trust. Um, there's no, um, there's always a little bit of, um, space between you and the dancer always. Cause you're the choreographer and that's, mm-hmm. that's different, but the, the immediate trust is there in a different way for sure. And I do make braver things, I think for the Taylor company because <laughs> um, they're also willing to go there. That's their legacy is, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what Paul would do. And so to me, it is the most fun place to create. There's no mirror. Like I said, it's, um, I don't know. It's just us in the space. I can, they know who I am. So I don't have to explain to them how I work or what the the fact that I'm terrible at counting music and all of the things like they just know. And they're like, we know that Lauren's going to have a hard time counting this section. Do you hear the bell? Yes. I hear the little bell. Do you hear that little violin? (laughs) No over there. Yes. Okay. And so like, they know, they know things that make the process more seamless, but also beyond that, I, I don't want to make the same piece ever twice. And Mm -hmm. That's the adventure in it for me is mm-hmm. we have the same group of people. What are we going to do now? I don't know. Like, it's just so much fun to play. Yeah. And I have two, two works happening this November. Should I talk about them? I don't know. I should probably let you I, ask. I want to talk about, before we get into those, I want to talk about your second work for the company. Oh, yeah. Because I saw that. And I told you this, I think I cornered you somewhere and told you, I thought it's it's your best work ever, I think ever, of everything I've ever seen of yours. But it wasn't just like, I mean, on its own terms, I think it's your best work ever. But what, what separately blew me away is like, you have done the work in, in um, immersing yourself in the Taylor background. You clearly have such a fine understanding of the company's history, but also of, of the the technique and the style that those works were made in, and you bring it into your own work without m- making it sort of like parroting Paul. I just thought it was super impressive, and um, just like a really important must must have felt like a really important step for you. Like now you've done it, you've made something that was excellent on its own terms, but also couldn't have been done somewhere else. And so I I, I want to know what that experience was like and then how that affords you more freedom. Now you already mentioned that you you're feeling like you can experiment or you know get weirder or, or make choices. <laughs> um so let's talk a little bit about your your second work there. I love solitaire. I love that work. I feel well I'm a lover of Paul's work before I ever got asked to make a commission for their company. So mm-hmm. they've been in our theater for years. Mm-hmm. In the, the State Theater, David H. Koch Theater, it's been renamed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that staple in Lincoln Center, Paul Taylor Company was there and I would go and I would see them. So as a ballerina, I didn't get a chance to, New York City Ballet works so hard. We know that. I mean, you're just always performing. 
it's a great gift, but it's also something that makes it very hard to see other things. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to do is be in a theater when you're, when you have any kind of time off. So I didn't get to see a lot of Graham. I didn't get to see a lot of Ailey. I didn't, I saw some, but it wasn't, it wasn't to the degree that I was able to see Paul Taylor's work. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. I was already a fan of Paul Taylor before I ever got asked to make anything for their company. So I, I was um, well-versed in the style to, from a visual standpoint, I hadn't danced it myself mm-hmm. and I'm honestly terrible at sliding around on the ground, but I, mm-hmm. I knew um, to a degree what they were about and respect it and, and, and cherish that. So solitaire, man, I love that piece. Solitaire I made after um, I had the opportunity to go to a maximum security prison in California um, with a good artist friend of mine, JR. And what I did there was help um, make a mural, um, an art project of sorts with paste and glue, the way that JR does, um, alongside the prisoners. And terrifying experience, also really, really powerful experience for me in my life. Um, the conversations that I had while I was in that, in the yard of this all male maximum security prison, I will never forget. I will never forget those conversations. So for some reason, the majority of the people that I spoke with, um, had in one way or another encountered solitary confinement. And so after the pandemic and after that experience in the prison, I wanted to make solitaire and it wasn't a card game piece. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Solitaire with quotes underneath it, a stone set alone. And that's what I really felt. I felt like I wanted to share or uncover, discover, dive into loneliness and separation. I had just left city ballet. I was spending a lot more time alone than I had ever had before. Um, The pain of it, the frustration of it, all the questions, and then the beauty on the other side. And then more than just the beauty of solid solitude, which is the middle movement of the piece. In the end, you hear, it feels like, the Ernest Block um, piece that I used, it really felt like connection and life and like a field of grass, (laughs) like (laughs) like a joy. And so that's really where the piece took me was in, was through that journey into the importance of connection on the other side. And I think that's why I love it so much. Mm, Yeah. I love that piece. So that was, yeah, that was last November it was my second work for them. And I've worked up this November at Lincoln Center. (laughs) November. I have. So I've now I've made four pieces for them already. And I've only been there a little over a year. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's a really cool feeling um, to just be able to create that much in a, in a space and, Oh, I just love it. So I have um, Pentimento Solitaire from last November. And then this November, I have two works going. One is Dream Machine and the second is called uh, Echo. And I'm very passionate about both. Every time I'm 
every time I see them in, in their entirety, the dancers do a run or we do a showing or something like that. I just, I'm overcome. And I feel like that's my favorite thing I've ever made. And then I see the other one and I go, that's my favorite mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's wonderful. Right. What were you, were you always supposed to do two works? Like, oh, tell us about that. Like, did Michael want you to do two? And then once there were two, did you feel pressure to make them very different from one another? Did you have entirely different concepts? And also, were you making them at the same time? Because that mm-hmm. seems crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I were you just like, 12, like 12 to three, we're doing this. And then three to, you know, you know. yeah, <laughs> right. t- tell, tell, tell us all about it. <laughs> what I'm doing right now. It's been great. So basically, I wanted to do Dream Machine since, since the beginning, since my first day of working with Paul Taylor Company. This has been my idea. I have wanted to realize this work. It's Was this the one that you went in and tried to... This is the one. This is the oh. one that I went in Michael's office and I asked to make. And so um, to have it be, be a reality now is, uh, it's just, and to have it to be changing so often. I mean, I just added a second movement oh. uh, to the work. We had a soft premiere in uh, LA at the LA Music Center this spring. Mm. So I finished a good amount of it, but I didn't want to, I, we were having some question marks regarding costumes and sets and how we would put it together and budgets and time was limited. And I didn't want to just throw something out. And that's just not my style. I, I don't want to throw out something that I'm not proud of. And so I saved the second movement and I said, you know what? I don't have time to realize it fully. I'm just going to wait. And so I, it was still a, a 30 minute work without the second movement. It was still really a substantial amount of epic. Day. Yeah. It was still epic and it still made sense. And the the way that Dream Machine works is it's a series of short stories. It's it's each movement is not supposed to go with the next. There's supposed to be different ideas. Mm-hmm. And um the whole work is about invention, um, technology, innovation. Um, invention in different uh, capacities. The way that the music was inspired was um, by the first movement is history, Da Vinci's wings. You can hear it. It's like something being built and breaking down over and over again. It gets built up and it breaks and it gets built up and it breaks. Mm. And then in the end, it gets built and it turns, the music just turns sour or something it turns green and melty and I I almost cut that part out and then I realized that in so many ways that's how I feel about what we're making today where a new technology comes out and it feels like we did it and then there's this thing I feel on the inside that goes what does that mean actually (laughs) do we want that built what does that mean for the world like there's that hmm so that's just the first movement of Dream Machine. And each movement has a different um, inspiration behind it. Second movement is Rube Goldberg. Those cartoons from the newspaper with chain reaction events, cause and effect. Honestly, quirky machines. They're not 
they don't even always make sense <laughs> in the drawing. You go, well, that wouldn't do that. I don't know. Right, um, right. And so it's cartoonish and very playful and colorful and uh, bizarre, honestly. So that's the second movement. It's so much fun to play with that when it comes to bodies and props and <laughs> a lot of props in the second movement and color and comedy you know the taylor company will go there they're not afraid of 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 acting strange or being goofy or silly mm-hmm. and so that's really a fun movement and then the third one the, the music was inspired by this painting that was done um, this piece of artwork that was done for a scientist that would commission these. He he wanted artwork based off of his science. And so it's a really fun painting of an eel with like an uh, electric socket. It's called electric eel. And the music is very murky and you can hear it. It's underwater, but there are these little like flashes of, light or something that happened. And I wanted to do something that slithered because when I think of eels, I think of sliding and I wanted it to be a duet in four line skates, but then that's honestly the opposite of the Paul Taylor company. (laughs) (laughs) They're grounded, like fully planted on the ground and putting wheels on them. Nobody is trained in that. So that idea shifted and molded because we got a new dancer this year and his name is Kenny Corgan. And he was a freelance artist for years. Someone that I'd worked with before Mm. um, at dance lab, New York years ago, very talented artist. He just joined the company this year and he was born in the nineties and knows how to use those shoes that slide called Heelys that have the wheel on the back. (laughs) Yes. And so he, um, I needed a shoe that would slide, but also I needed him to be able to partner and, and stop and be able to have grip. And so I have him in the Heelys and I have Jessica Ferretti, um, in slippery socks. And so they make the eel duet and it's so much fun. That's cool. So cool. Um, (laughs) I just, I'm obsessed. So that that's the third movement. And then the last movement is um, inspired by Vulcan, um, Star Trek, galactic spaceship, uh, finder of planets mixed with Hephaestus, the maker of weapons of the Greek gods. And you really hear this, like it's called Vulcan's Vorge. And you have, you hear this like central, like fire pit sound almost the whole thing is a percussion concerto. So there's a lot of, um, drum beats and and rhythms and bells and galactic sounds. And so it's, it's such a fun way to wrap up the piece. And um, I needed a dancer that would be, that would have a pull, a gravitational pull. And so to me, that was like, nowadays we have social media and influencers and trendsetters and people that, you know, lead and take a, a fashion choice or something like that. And then you have all these followers that come along and, and they can't keep up. And so I thought that would be a fun thing. So the last movement you have, um, an influencer and their followers almost. 
Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So much fun. It's a playground. It's quirky. It's strange. Santo Laquasto is working on that one with me again. He did solitaire as well. Mm -hmm. I love his ideas. He goes there. He goes silly with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he can do strange and, um, and he's gutsy that way. So I'm excited. That's November 1st. And then November 2nd is my absolute freshest, newest work that I've made for the Taylor company. Nobody's seen it yet. It's, it hasn't had a soft premiere. It is <laughs> brand new. Um, and something I'm very excited about. I'm using all the Taylor men, it's my first piece I'm doing for all men. And I've had my just questions. I've had questions for the past probably four or five years. Um, Cause I am such a hardcore passionate feminist at heart. I love empowering women. I want, I, I want a world where I can create and, create freely and get jobs and feel strong and powerful and all of these things. And then I also care very, very much about the other gender. I care very much about the men. And especially after going to the maximum security prison, seeing where we've landed politically in a lot of ways, um, the past decade has been interesting. Um, I just feel this desire to peer underneath the rock of what I don't understand. And, and I've been kind of delving into the statistics and incarceration rates, um, depression, addiction, suicides, drop out of school. All of these statistics are higher in men and I care about that a lot. So that was going on in me at the same time as the incredible Ulysses Dove Vespers piece was a desire for Michael to to, um, add to the repertoire of the Taylor company. So it was perfect timing. All the women were being used for that. Michael Novak came to me and said, I have all the men free. Do you want to make a piece for them. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. I've been thinking about this for some time. Um, I, I want to do that a hundred percent. So I woke up in the middle of the night from a dream, had a dream about this man standing alone in some sort of a deserted place, like a desert or something. And just vocalizing a sound very loud, deafening sound. It wasn't a song. It wasn't it wasn't any words. It was just, it was alarming. And I woke, it startled me awake and I knew what I wanted the piece to be about. And I wanted it to be about men's voices. And then I got an email like the following day, this is how my, my life works. I got an email from interesting facts. I don't even know who signed me up for that publication, but I get these (laughs) emails and I got one and it was about sand dunes and wind going through the sand dunes and how that can be as loud as a rock concert sometimes. And that natural 
force and that natural power and the wind and voice, I, I was like, what do I, what am I trying to do? What am I trying to say? And uh, I couldn't find music for a long time. I thought maybe I would do something acapella and I would mm-hmm. have the dancers like shouting, <laughs> singing, like <laughs> their own sound. Um, but nothing was really, it didn't feel like a resounding yes. There was no idea that I was like, this is the one. And David LaMarche came to Michael Novak because we we are very blessed and we get to use the orchestra of St. Luke's. We We collaborate with them at Lincoln Center each year. And we do standalone music that I love. <laughs> I love these like little mini concerts that happen in the middle of the dance work, um, dance evening. So a piece was presented to Michael Novak by David, and it's the extraordinary string trio Time for Three playing a Kevin Putz work. Um, and it's called Contact, this piece. And it's so good. I The very first thing that happens in the music is the three soloist musicians sing. Mm. They make sound. And I just thought, I mean, I heard it immediately and I almost cried because I felt like that was exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, it's, I begged Michael, I said, I, can I please use it? <laughs> I know it's supposed to be a standalone piece and they're rock stars and they're, I mean, it's incredible. So time for three themselves are coming to play live at Lincoln Center on November 2nd. We are featuring them. They're not, um, I'm finding a way to creatively showcase them and also not have it be distracting to the dance. I want them to be also a symbiotic, uh, right. I want them to benefit each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole piece is called Echo because um, I want, or, I feel that not only does music call forth dance and that's the echo that occurs between music and the dance. I also feel like we have it within each other and the healing of one human being, the healing of one man will echo into another and another and another and another. And it's been so much fun to work with the dancers at Paul Taylor company. We have such an array. We have such a, (laughs) The question, what is it to be a man at the Taylor Company is like the perfect question to be asking because we have the most diverse, we have every kind of personality. We have every kind of shape and size and sexual preference. And I mean, you name it, they are different. They are all mm-hmm. different. And um, to me, I feel like that's exactly what I wanted was presenting the question, finding that home for it, the atmosphere for it and the music. And then the dancers just show up as themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, I don't have to explain what it's like to be a man. I have no idea. I'm a woman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, all I have to do is create the space and like put them all together. And it's been absolutely wonderful. I love it. I love the work. Um, we're just refining this week. So it is to answer your question, Michael, it is a joy. I go from dream machine to echo every day. And that I think as a choreographer is the dream that you get to have these things happening simultaneously. You get to 
you feel a body of work. I never felt that before. Mm-hmm. And it's growing and it feels incredible because they're all pieces of me. And it's not even me, it's we. This is something I've been thinking about all week. I love us. That's how I feel. Every time I watch something that I've made, I think I love us because it's not really me and it's not all them. It's us. It's we. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it's incredible what I get to do with my life. Mm. Yeah. That's so beautiful, Lauren. I just, every time we talk to you, it's like your passion and your, you're just so sincere in your love of Dan. It just, I love that you are getting to live your choreographic dreams. So I hope that everyone in New York will come watch Lauren live her choreographic dreams. This is October 31st to through um, November 12th. The Paul Taylor Dance Company will be performing at the, uh, at FKA State Theater, also known as David H. Coke. Um, and you know, something else that I wanted to mention before we head off, um, there are $20 tickets for those under 40, which is an amazing steal. So everybody under 40, me for, for a little while longer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. that. Cause I'm not even, I'm not there. I'm past 30. I'm turning 32 and I feel so young and I think, well, these tickets are expensive and to be able to feel feel youthful and young in your thirties is a great thing. I think so. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I love that the Taylor company it's Lincoln center. You get live music, but it's also affordable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Lauren, as always for joining us. We know you have a crazy busy day between now and the end of the day. So thank you for joining us bright and early at 8am. We appreciate it. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you, Lauren. Well, you. and I'm sure we'll speak again. <laughs> we sure will. Conversations on Dance is part of the ACAST Creator Network. For more information, visit conversationsondancepodpod.com. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.